0: Oh mm-hmm. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come To Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy, my dear friends, to be here with you, as the Lord allows us this time, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday live at 4 p.m. and on Fridays at 4 when Cheryl joins me for two hours of Friday Live, but I can't fib to you today. I'm not live. I actually recorded a little earlier today. Uh, on this beautiful May 13th, a gorgeous day outside. I hope you're getting outside and enjoying some of this because uh, Cheryl and I decided to shift our schedules a little bit today and uh, spend some of the afternoon together out in the beautiful weather. So uh, no video today because I am pre-recording a little delay uh, earlier this morning uh, recording it. So uh, I'm praying, my brothers and sisters, you are having a blessed day and are getting out and enjoying this beautiful feast of Our Lady of Fatima. May 13th, and uh, that's really going to be the topic of our discussion today. First, I'm going to share with you uh, some of our Holy Father, Pope Francis's uh, general audience uh, from Rome earlier today. He began last week and will continue today to teach about prayer as the topic of his general audiences over the next number of weeks, so we'll get to that. But as you know, today in 1917 was the first appearance of our Blessed Mother to the children at Fatima. And uh, in 1981, our dear Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, was the victim of an assassination attempt in St. Peter's Square on this day. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, And then a year later, as you know, Pope John Paul II went to Fatima to thank our Blessed Mother for sparing his life, just one year later, and took the bullet that was fired into his body and placed it in the crown of the Statue of Our Lady of Fatima on this day, May 13th in 1982, one year, exactly one year after the assassination attempt. I want to talk about that. But before we do that, my brothers and sisters, we are going to pray. And as we do each time we come together, I invite you to join me in prayer. Uh, some special prayer requests today, my brothers and sisters. As I shared with you yesterday, we're continuing to pray for our young friend Maria, a beautiful 17-year-old, the daughter of two of our domestic church media board members, um, uh, Brian and Susan Middleton, who uh, have been burdened with this uh, trial, but have also received enormous graces um, to help them to get through these difficult days. Maria is uh, basically paralyzed, her mind is sharp, she can speak, and she is a suffering servant. So we're praying for the miracle. You know, There was a time just about a week ago uh, when we weren't so sure what God's will might be in the situation. But again, God saw her through, uh, and she said that this is all part of God's plan. And so we're continuing to pray for a miracle there. I also received a, an email early, early this morning from our friend Linda DeBacco, Bruce's wife, who asked for prayers. Bruce is in the hospital. He, I guess, was doing some gardening a few days ago and cut his finger, and the finger became infected, and now the infection is running up his hand. So he's on IV antibiotics. He's in the hospital. They may have to keep him there a few days. So please pray for Bruce as he, every first and third Monday, comes here and prays with you and for you. And uh, I assured Linda that we would pray for him today, so send those pra- let's send those prayers up to the throne of Almighty God as uh, Bruce, uh, who prays for us, not just on the first and third Mondays, but he and Linda pray regularly for you and all of the intentions that come in on a daily basis. So uh, let's remember Bruce today in our prayers. As I said, he, he, he uh, suffered a, a cut on his hand when he was doing some gardening there at his home a few days ago and the uh, cut became infected, and the infection is running up his hand now. So uh, he's in the hospital on IV antibiotics. So let's keep Bruce in prayer. And for all uh, your needs, my friends, for all of your special intentions, whatever they are, these are trying times, aren't they? But, you know, on a day like today, you want to put those troubles aside and just look at this beautiful weather that the Lord has blessed us with on this Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Thank God for the opportunity to wake up and take a breath and, and uh, just breathe in the beautiful fresh air, and thank God for another day. And uh, we are blessed, and we, I, we feel so blessed here to be able to be here with you on a regular basis as we are. So we're praying the prayer that Holy Father Pope Francis composed for this month of May, and he asked us to pray this prayer at the end of our rosary each day during this month of may and so we're praying this beautiful prayer uh, composed by pope francis to our blessed mother specifically for the present situation we find ourselves in with the coronavirus but also for all of our needs whatever they may be whatever your special intentions are now my friends i invite you to raise them up and again today because i am pre-recording a little earlier in the day there is no video so i'm sorry about that Um, But we are certainly going out uh, over the uh, Internet uh, through all of our many, many uh, means of communication, as well as our four radio stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So, again, reaching our wonderful domestic church media family on so many platforms. We come together, and we are united in heart and mind and spirit, and uh, they can't take that away from us, can they? (laughs) No, they can't. They can't keep us apart from each other spiritually, and that's what we're doing right now. Uh, I'm not contagious, you're not contagious, we're here in prayer, and we raise our hearts and minds together as one body of Christ uh, for all of these intentions. So let's begin, my brothers and sisters, as we begin all good things, that is, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And we pray, we fly to your protection, O Holy Mother of God, in the present tragic situation. When the whole world is prey to suffering and anxiety, we fly to you, Mother of God, and our mother and seek refuge under your protection. Virgin Mary, turn your merciful eyes toward us amid this coronavirus pandemic. Comfort those who are distraught and mourn their loved ones who have died, and at times are buried in a way that grieves them deeply. Be close to those who are concerned for their loved ones, and who are sick, and who, in order to prevent the spread of the disease, cannot be close to them. Fill with hope those who are troubled by the uncertainty of the future and the consequences for the economy and employment. Mother of God and our Mother, pray for us to God, the Father of mercies, that this great suffering may end and that hope and peace may dawn anew. Plead with your divine Son, as you did at Cana, so that the families of the sick and the victims be comforted and their hearts be opened to confidence and trust. Protect the doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and volunteers who are on the front line of this emergency and are risking their lives to save others. Support their heroic effort and grant them strength, generosity, and continued health. Be close to those who assist the sick night and day and to priests who, in their pastoral concern and fidelity to the gospel, are trying to help and support everyone. Blessed Virgin... Illumine the minds of men and women engaged in scientific research, that they may find effective solutions to overcome this virus. Support national leaders, that with wisdom, solicitude, and generosity, they may come to the aid of those lacking the basic necessities of life, and may devise social and economic solutions inspired by foresightedness and solidarity. Mary, most holy. Stir our consciences so that the enormous funds invested in developing and stockpiling arms will instead be spent on promoting effective research on how to prevent similar tragedies from occurring in the future. Beloved Mother, help us realize that we are all members of one great family and to recognize the bond that unites us so that, in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity, we can help to alleviate countless situations of poverty and need. Make us strong in faith, persevering in service, constant in prayer. Mary, consolation of the afflicted, embrace all your children in distress and pray that God will stretch out his all-powerful hand and free us from this terrible pandemic so that life can serenely resume its normal course. To you who shine on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope, do we entrust ourselves, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. And let's pray our prayer, our prayers to uh, St. Michael the Archangel and also the Subtum Presidium prayer that our Holy Father asked us to pray every day. Every day. About a, almost two years ago, <laughs> he asked us to pray these prayers every single day to protect the Church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you, pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, in a special way, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my dear friends, as always, I thank you for praying. And as I mentioned to you earlier, please keep our friend Bruce DeBacco in your prayers today. As I mentioned earlier, in case you're just joining us, I did receive an email from his lovely wife, Linda, early, early, early this morning, Uh, asking for prayer. Bruce is in the hospital. He was gardening at home uh, a few days ago, and I guess uh, cut his hand or his finger, and uh, it became infected, so much so that the infection is traveling up his hand and to his arm. So uh, he is in the hospital on IV antibiotics, uh, and Linda said they may want to keep him there for a few days. And of course, you know, she can't go be with him because of the coronavirus situation, so it's a very, very um, difficult time for so many, and Bruce, our dear friend who comes every first and third Monday here to pray with you, for you, he throws open that beautiful prayer tent uh, to open up uh, the airwaves for prayer today in a special way. He needs your prayers, so I assured Linda we would pray, and uh, hoping that he'll be out and back uh, home very, very soon, within hopefully today, but you don't know. Sometimes it's just that precaution they want to keep, especially someone uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce's age, my age. You know, we, those of us who are now senior citizens, <laughs> the doctor is a little bit more cautious. But again, being in the hospital these days is tough because of the coronavirus. So just keep everybody in prayer, and I'll keep you posted on that. And again, in case you're just joining me today, I am pre-recording the program a little earlier today, so there's no video. Um, Cheryl and I decided we want to just get out and enjoy some of this day, beautiful day. And, uh, you know, we've all been locked up. I hope you're getting outside. I hope you're out in the fresh air in whatever way you can. And and, uh, let's pray that these governors who are locking us down will begin to see the importance of unlocking the situation in a very safe and... uh, Proper way, uh, uh, abiding by the guidelines that the government puts forward, but also to understand that we need to get out, and and especially on a beautiful day like today, get out and enjoy it. Even if you have to just sit in your backyard or on your porch, or as we used to say up in North Jersey, on your stoop and enjoy the day, Uh, because it is a beautiful day, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little later on in the program, because it was also on this day. Our dear St. Pope John Paul II was the victim of of an assassination attempt in St. Peter's Square, 1981, and then just one year later, in 1982, he went to Fatima to thank our Blessed Mother for sparing his life. And I'll share that story in case you've never heard it. I'm sure most of you have heard it, but I'll share that story with you about the day he was shot and um, how he believes that Our Lady really spared him. And there's some Very, very definitive physical evidence of that, so we'll get to that. But first, I want to share with you uh, from our Holy Father today, uh, over in Rome, He, uh, uh, as he does most Wednesdays, had his general audience. And last week, Pope Francis began uh, his catechesis, and he'll do this over the next number of weeks during his general audiences. Uh, Now, I'm not sure uh, when these will end, although I guess, no, he's not out in the square, is he? So he used to be in the normal days. Uh, he would uh, go on a hiatus from his public general audiences because he'd be out in St. Peter's Square, and anybody who knows Italy or knows that part of Italy in in the Rome area and south, that it gets pretty hot there in June, July, and August. So he would uh, go on kind of on a hiatus because he didn't want seventy thousand people in the St. Peter's Square in the, in the blazing Roman heat. Uh, but now that he's doing these general audiences inside from, from the uh, papal apartment, maybe they will continue throughout the summer. But anyway, he began this last week, his teaching on prayer. And so let me share with you some of his teaching today uh, during his audience where he talked about Christians being able to pray to the Father without fear. You know, there are a lot of prayers going up probably now more than ever. I, I think I read a study somewhere that since this coronavirus pandemic began, That uh, people are saying they are praying more, which, you know, is good. We should be praying more. We should always be in constant communication with our God. And that's what prayer is. So, Holy Father today said that Jesus has transformed this human experience of prayer. And uh, he um, said that we can, as, as followers of Christ, approach God without fear, addressing him as Father, Pope Francis said, Christianity has banished from the bond with God any, quote-unquote, feudal relationship in the heritage of our, our faith. There, there are no expressions such as subjection or slavery, rather words such as covenant, friendship, promise, communion, closeness. So the opening up of that, that uh, relationship that we have with the Father, that Jesus as our mediator, as our brother, as the second person of the Blessed Trinity, totally united in in, and with God, as God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, opened up that uh, avenue of communication with the Father in a very special way, as Holy Father said, that Christianity has banished from the bond any feudal relationship. And Holy Father said, now we use words such as, Covenant, friendship, promise, communion, closeness. The Holy Father noted that prayer is practiced by people of every religion and probably also to those who profess none. It's born in that spirit, what the spiritual writers call the heart, our innermost being. I have a hard time believing, don't you, my friends? When people who claim to have no beliefs uh, saying they don't pray and maybe they don't realize they're praying, I, I i it's it's very, very difficult for me to understand anyone who is an atheist, who has absolutely no belief in God. I was reading uh, um, something the other day. you know i what i this is what I do at at night sometimes in my before I retire. I'm, you know, there's really nothing on television, new, <laughs> that I would, I would watch. I'm not watching the EWTN or um, the news. Uh, I like to go back to the old, you know, the old, old some of the old TV shows. And every night, uh, well, weeknight anyway, at ten o'clock, I think it is on one of the uh, t- TV channels. There's the re- rebroadcast of the old Tonight Show program with Johnny Carson. And They're just, you know, they're just, they're just fun to watch because you look at, you know, how life was 30, 40 years ago, the topics of discussion, the dress and, and just the humor, you know, there was, there was, all right, sometimes there were a little bit of, you know, innuendos, but there was no blatant uh, um, base conversation or humor. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, but anyway, the other and so what I do, I, I I look at the date that the program originally aired. I'm always interested in that to see because they talk about certain things that are going on. And and the other night, um, one of the guests uh, uh, on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was uh, Tony Randall. Remember Tony Randall from the uh, Odd Couple the TV show back in the 70s and other things. But I think probably most I remember him best from that particular program. So then what I do is I, I you know I'm watching I, and then I check you know Wikipedia and see okay is is this person still alive when did they die how did they die well, because these programs that I'm watching are you know 40, 40 years old Anyway Tony Randall did pass away back I think in the in the in the early 2000s or late 1990s But there was a quote in there that really struck me because I always thought you know this man here's a very successful man in in, in his profession as an actor and uh, had a lot of success and seemed very well-spoken and well-read and educated uh, in the way he presented himself. But he—I was reading this little thing about—a you know, little biography about him, and he was saying how he didn't believe in life after death, that there was nothing beyond this world. And he said, I would like to think that I would see my mother and father again, but I know I won't, he said. And I thought, how sad— to go through this life with that type of, of finite belief that once this life is over, it's, we're, it's done, we cease to exist. There's nothing beyond it. How sad that is. I bet he was rejoicing, I hope, and I pray, when he met our Lord for the first time upon his own transition from this world into the next, to then perhaps see his parents who he thought he would never see again. But you see, this is something that we do as Christians in our own existence, in our prayer. We communicate with our God, who we can't see, but who we know is there. Just look at, look at a day like today, the beauty of this day. In all that, uh, the difficulty and trials we're going through, we have the beautiful, beautiful May thirteenth, 2020, a gorgeous day here on the East Coast. Or maybe you're sitting in your home, and you know uh, it's tough. I know uh, those of you who are grandparents, like Shirley. Me, boy, oh boy, we miss miss holding and hugging and kissing our little grandchildren. Oh, I mean, it's okay to FaceTime, but that almost like is a little tease. You, it it makes the heart ache a little stronger because you can't reach out and touch them, right? But all the blessings that we receive in our lives, how can there anyone believe that there is no? loving Father who was responsible for all of this. So Holy Father, again, getting back to his teaching, said to pray then in us is not something peripheral. It's not uh, something, uh, some secondary and marginal faculty of ours, he said. But it is the most intimate mystery of ourselves. It is the mystery that prays, Pope Francis said this morning. Prayer leads us beyond ourselves. It is the voice of the I, the letter I, searching for you, Y-O-U. Pope Francis said the prayer of the Christian is born instead from a revelation. The you, Y-O-U, has not remained shrouded in mystery, but has entered into a relationship with us. Christianity is the religion that continuously celebrates the manifestation of God, that is, the epiphany. You know, Jesus came into this world to be like us in all things except sin. To show us the way to the Father. This beautiful manifestation of God, that is, as Holy Father said this morning, his epiphany. The Holy Father reflected on Jesus' speech to his disciples at the Last Supper, in which he addresses them as friends, saying, it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And I loved I love to think of that. You know, I especially those of us who are blessed to be able to be in, in a permanent apostolate as our main vocation. Wasn't always that way, as you know, in my story, and you know, I have worked in, in the corporate world for fifteen years before uh, I finally felt the Lord calling me out of my corporate boat, and to start walking on the water. I always loved that that uh, um, setting and the scene and 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 the, and the the words of our Lord from John fifteen. It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. The Holy Father said, but this is a blank check. Whatever you ask of my Father in my name, I give you. Pope Francis said, God is the friend, the ally, the bridegroom. In prayer, one can establish a relationship of confidence with him, so so much so that our In the Our Father, Jesus taught us to ask him a series of questions. We can ask God everything, everything, Pope Francis said. Explain everything, tell everything. It doesn't matter if in our relationship with God we feel at fault. We are not good friends. We are not grateful children. We are not faithful spouses. He continues to love us. And the Holy Father noted that Jesus showed this definitively At the Last Supper, when he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which will be shed for you. And in that gesture, the Holy Father said this morning, Jesus anticipates in the upper room the mystery of the cross. God is a faithful ally. If men stop loving, he continues to love. Even if love leads him to Calvary. Pope Francis said, God is always close to the door of our heart and waits for us to open it to him. You know, so many of us, my brothers and sisters, know, whether it's spouses, children, grandchildren, family, friends, who have allowed themselves to... walk away from the church, walk away from the sacrament life. They don't go to mass anymore. It's uh, kind of going through the, the motions of this life <clears throat> and the Catholic education, both formal and in the home that they received, doesn't seem to have any impact anymore. And we pray for them, right? And I, I know a number of people like that. I was mentioning to you yesterday, I think some of even my own friends uh, with whom I went to high school. And I pray, kind of like this prayer, as part of my prayer, where Holy Father said that, and he points out in a beautiful way, that this beautiful mystery of the cross, this beautiful mystery of God, who is a faithful ally to us, that even if men stop loving him, he continues to love, even if love leads him to Calvary. And then I love this. God is always close to the door of our heart, and waits for us to open it to him. So what what I pray is for all the people that I know who are away from the church, who should be, and I'm talking about people who have left the church, formally or informally, but have left the church, who should still be practicing Catholics. My prayer for them is always allow them to hear the knock on the door and to be willing to open the door to Christ. He's not going to push his way in. you know. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to shove that door open. He's going to wait for us to answer. And so my prayer, and your prayer too, I hope, for people that we know who are away from the church, is that their hearts are open to the knock of the divine Savior and the grace to open that door to his desire to enter. And Holy Father said, and sometimes he knocks on the heart but as I just said, and Holy Father said, he's not intrusive, he waits. God's patience with us is the patience of a father, of one who loves us so much. Holy Father said, I'd say, it's the patience of a father and a mother together, always close to our heart. And when he knocks, he does it with tenderness and with a lot of love. So let's make that a prayer, right? Pray, especially for those souls who we know, whether it be spouse or children or family members uh, who have been away from the church, that they will hear the knock, the loving knock of our Lord, and will receive the grace to answer. And Holy Father concluded by saying, let's all try praying like this, entering into the mystery of the covenant, to put ourselves in prayer in God's merciful arms, to feel enveloped by the mystery of happiness, and which is the Trinitarian life, to feel like guests who did not deserve so much honor, and to repeat to God in the amazement of prayer, Is it possible that you know my love? He does not know hate. He is hated, but he does not know hate. He knows only love. This is the God we pray to. This is the incandescent core of all Christian prayer. The God of love, our Father, who awaits and accompanies. Us, Beautiful words from our Holy Father in his teaching today, that being the teaching of prayer. And he'll continue that for the next number of weeks in his general audience. Well, okay, so I'm going to have to take a break now. And when I come back, we're going to talk about Fatima, the beautiful day that we celebrate today, and our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, his assassination attempt in 1981, and his return to Fatima one year later. Stay so where you are. More to come on Come To Me. The Gospels did not start the church. The church started the Gospels. The church did not come out of the Gospels. It was the Gospels that came out of the church. The church preceded the New Testament, not the New Testament, the church Men did not believe in the resurrection because the gospel said there was a resurrection. The gospel writers wrote down the story of the crucifixion, for example, and the resurrection because they believed it. Now, in like manner, the church did not come to believe in the virgin birth because the gospels tell us there is a virgin birth. It was because the living word of God in his mystical body, the church, already believed it, and they set it down in the gospels. Listen to Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen every Sunday morning at 7.30, right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Sister Ann Shields speaking to you from Food for the Journey, a program that is heard on Domestic Church Radio Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. I want to encourage you to listen to that program, not because I'm doing it, but because I speak of the scripture readings for the day, and the word of God is what gives us life. Brothers and sisters, today we need life. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought i love her. Instead of sitting on the couch, I helped clean up. I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I sent my husband a love email. What have I done for my marriage today? It's a good question. Uh, I gave her a call and say, thinking of it the kids. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. We're going to the museums as a family. What have I done for my marriage today? I made my wife coffee and breakfast this morning. It's going to be her birthday next week so I've been spending time today making arrangements to make that extra special. we're spending the day together. I bought her an orchid. Hassan was able to let me sleep in by taking care of him in the morning. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up but she's still laughing. (laughs) What have you done for your marriage today? Small changes can make a world of difference. Get started at foryourmarriage.org, a message from the Catholic Church. Do you want to end abortion? Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul's Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. We want to invite you to pray the rosary with us. The rosary is many things, but perhaps... The best way to think about the rosary is to think about it as a spiritual place, as an invisible chapel that you can enter into, even in a busy time of life. Pray the Holy Rosary with Father Benedict Groeschel, mornings at 9.30, right here on Domestic Church Radio. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. on these domestic church media stations. Welcome back, and in just a moment, we're going to go to Fatima, in a sense, to talk about the beautiful day, the day we celebrate today, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, but also the events that took place in 1981 and 1982, uh, the attempted assassination on our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, and also his his going to Fatima one year later uh, in Thanksgiving to thank our Blessed Mother for sparing his life, and that was the reason he went. Uh, before we do that, though, my brothers and sisters, again, I just want to say thanks to all of you who are continuing to respond to uh, my plea here, sharing with you our financial needs. I know the times are tough. My goodness, it's it's hard to believe so many millions of souls out of work uh, as a result of this virus. When just a few months ago, we were having the best unemployment in over 50 years, it just shows you how quickly things can change and things that are out of our control in a sense, uh, perhaps uh, showing us the greater need for greater dependency upon God. You know, God can make this virus disappear just by willing it. It can, it can vanish. Uh, so I know, as I said earlier, uh, one of the, the fruits of this pandemic is that people are praying more. And I'm praying that, you know, as we get through this thing, and it seems to be a gradual unlocking, but as we get through it, that we will be back to normal, not a new normal. I don't like that term. I don't like new normal. I want to get back to normal and uh, get back to where we were. And hopefully people will maybe go back and return with a greater understanding of the need and dependency on Almighty God. We have to make that a prayer. You know, a lot of people are watching the streaming masses online, not just on weekends, but on a daily basis, which is beautiful. Uh, but I pray that they will continue. That when the churches once again open up for public mass, that people will return. That sitting in your easy chair with a cup of coffee watching mass is not the way it was intended to be. Uh, Celebrated. And in fact, Holy Father Pope Francis said that recently. So we have to pray for that. But uh, given all that, um, yeah, as a nonprofit, as you might imagine, as we are, uh, our financial needs are always adversely affected in situations like this. But I do have to send out a great big thank you to all of you who have been so generous. Oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed by your generosity in helping us to meet our needs, our financial needs, during these very, very difficult times. So uh, thank you for that. Please keep the donations coming. Uh, We're just, this is kind of, um, you know, the month of May. Uh, Every month we need $25,000 this month to run the whole operation each month, $25,000, which is not a lot of money to run an operation like this. Uh, given we have four radio stations and and uh, all kinds of technology and things, uh, buildings and uh, anyway, um, but the tough times that we always see each year are June, July, and August, the summer months. Now, because people go on vacation, things change, people's schedules change. Well, that's already happened. People aren't going to, most people aren't going to be able to go on vacation. I would imagine if things are not open. This, this idea of going on the Jersey beaches and not standing, not sitting still, just kind of keep moving <laughs> and not being able to sit on the beach and uh, enjoy the, the shore and the sun. I don't know if that's going to work, but anyway, just in preparation of that, we've, as, as you know, we've postponed our Radiothon. Uh, I'm looking now, probably saying we're going to have it in the fall when things hopefully by September will be back to normal uh, or a sense of normalcy. But in the meantime, we do need you. So again, thanks to everybody who's responding by sending your donations to us either online at domesticchurchmedia.org with your debit or credit card, or in sending us your check, writing to us here. And the address is Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton 08628. That's Media. PO box 7509 Trenton 08628 and uh, you can you know whatever amount is comfortable for you whatever is within your means but my brothers and sisters again we don't get funding any other way than but through you so i put that call out i ask you please to be generous and thanks to all of you who have been and are sending your donations Again, you can do it online at domesticchurchmedia.org or write to us here at Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. That's P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. We are a 501c3 charitable organization, so your gift is tax-deductible. Uh, And uh, we certainly uh, greatly appreciate all that you do for us. Now, today, May 13th, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, it was on this day in 1917 that our Blessed Mother first appeared to to the three shepherd children in Fatima. Uh, You know the story there. Um, I remember when I was in grammar school, uh, in my early, early grades, either kindergarten or first grade, uh, there was an assembly they had in the gym, I'll never forget this, and they showed us the movie, Our Lady of Fatima, which I think in, was made in 1953 by Warner Brothers. I mean, you know, this is the days when, when major movie studios uh, used to make major motion pictures about events like this, the Song of Bernadette, the Story of Lords in 1942, 43, I think it was. won the academy award my goodness and then in the 1950s 53 they made a movie warner brothers made a movie about our lady of fatima and i remember watching that they showed it to us in grammar school and the vision of hell that our lady showed the children as depicted in the film scared the you know what out of me i thought man i i don't want to go there Uh, which I guess still has, you know, the mental image I have of that vision of hell still scares me. Um, So the message of Fatima, I think out of all all the approved apparitions of our Blessed Mother, Fatima still to this day has the most meaning, I believe. You know, it was back in the year 2000, I think when uh, Holy Father Pope John Paul II released the third secret of Fatima. And... Um, You might remember, prior to his releasing that, there were um, stories, and I don't know how true they were, uh, because, you know, there was a third secret that are later revealed to the children, and it was put in the Vatican vault. It was never released publicly, except the Holy Fathers, you know, from that time on, if they wanted to, were able to take a look at it. And I remember someone saying that when uh, Pope John the Twenty Third saw it, he read the third secret, he fainted. Uh, Pope Paul the Sixth wept. I mean, there are all these things, all these reactions. But it was in in the year two thousand that um, Saint Pope John Paul II released the third secret of Fatima, made it public, and it, it was this the vision of a man in white and being shot. And it was so that the interpretation was was it a prophetic message of John Paul II's assassination attempt? It's uh, Or was it, you know, just symbolically talking about the persecuted church? Uh, and then there were all those um, conspiracy theorists after that who said, well, this isn't the real secret. The real secret is still yet to be released. And I remember Lucia saying, no, this is it. <laughs> this this is it. <laughs> Don't look for anything else beyond this. This is it. I I can verify that what John Paul II released is the real secret um but you know there're still people who believe that their third secret has not yet been revealed well, Lucia herself said it was so I'm going to believe this uh, dear seer who has since gone home to the lord that uh, which was alive when it was released saying you know this is it this is the real secret um but you might remember that day and I, I remember that day uh, May 13th 1981 because it was only um a couple of months after the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan, you know, I think there was an ass- uh, the, ass- the assassination attempt on President Reagan was the end of March that same year. So it wasn't that much, maybe six weeks later that here's an assassination attempt on John Paul. Remember now, it was Ronald Reagan and John Paul, II and, and uh, Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, who really, the three of them, uh, worked together in a way to bring down uh, communism in 1989. In the Berlin Wall. So, this is this day it was a beautiful day in Rome, May thirteenth, nineteen eighty-one. And as he did, and as every Holy Father has, has still does, uh, comes out, greets the people for his uh, Wednesday general audience. Um, now, I'm not sure if it was his Wednesday. I'm assuming it was his Wednesday general audience because he came out in the Pope mobile, but it was open, you know, open vehicle. Um, now, now when you go to St. Peter's in Rome, you have to go through metal metal detectors and things to get in when you could go in. Now, nobody's there because of the pandemic, but under normal circumstances, at the last time we were there, you had to go through metal detectors uh, to get into the square. You couldn't just walk in. Uh, but in those days, they weren't doing that. And so here was this uh, crowd, you know, usually between 50 and 70,000 people when the Holy Father makes an appearance like that, and John Paul came out in his... Um, Pope mobile, and as as they do all the time, you know, they, they, the the Pope mobile will go around the perimeter of the square. It'll go up and down the aisles. You know, there's, they set you know uh, uh, a pattern of of uh, travel through the square and all the pilgrims who were there. But the story goes that when John Paul was coming out in the Pope mobile, and there is still, if you go to, just ever go to St. Peter's, there is still in St. Peter's Square a marker in the square on the ground where the assassination attempt was made it, it's it's noted it's marked uh, in the square itself but he was coming out in his pope mobile and he saw a little child holding up a picture of our lady of fatima and the Pope mobile either slowed down or stopped, and Pope John Paul II bent down to go pick up or reach for the little girl. As the, I always say, you know, if you if if you ever go to Rome, bring a baby because it's like Pope bait. <laughs> if you have a baby, then Pope will come over sometimes and stop. And I've, I've, you should see what they do. They especially if it's a, if it's an infant, the the, the, the uh, uh, um, not the Secret Service, but his his guards. Not the Swiss guard, but his, you know, the other uh, plainclothes uh, guards, uh, will actually take the baby from the arms of the parent and pass the baby, one guard to the other guard, to the other, and pass the baby to the Holy Father, who will kiss the baby on the head and they pass the baby back. But in this case, it was a little girl, a toddler, I guess, or a young little girl who had a picture of Our Lady of Fatima. And the Holy Father bent down to reach for her. And it was just at that moment when he bent down that the assassin fired his shot at the holy father and they say that had he not bent down the shot probably would have killed him but he bent over to reach for the child the shots were fired he was hit of course at that moment everything you know that goes into action these these men who are trained to uh, do you know know exactly what to do when something like this happens and uh, you know they were able to speed away to the hospital. But the Holy Father was hit, and he was losing a lot of blood. And they were taking him to the hospital in the Pope Mobile, as he was bleeding. And they say that John Paul II was in and out of consciousness during that short ride to, I believe it was Gemelli Hospital uh, in Rome, which is not that far away from St. Peter's. And he was losing a lot of blood, and he was losing consciousness. And they said he kept saying, my mother, my mother, my mother, as if he was praying, or perhaps was he having a vision? I don't know. But he was calling out, my mother. And they got him to the hospital. Of course, the the uh, trauma team goes right into action there, and, and they... they um, took his his cassock off, which was blood-soaked, and began, you know, the operation. And the doctors say, and this is what is so amazing, the doctors who were working on him say that the bullet entered his body, and the doctors were baffled because... It wasn't a normal trajectory of a, a bullet at close range, which is what happened. I mean, the, the gunman was right there, right in front of him. It wasn't like the, you know, the bullet was fired from from 50 feet away. It was, it was point-blank range, right there. And so given that, it should have had a straight trajectory. But the doctors who operated on him, because again, at this time, now remember the Holy Father, he was, he was getting close to death. He had lost a lot of blood. And they were trying to get the bullet out. But the doctors said the amazing thing was that the bullet seemed to have a particular path that was led almost as if, and the doctors even said almost as if a hand guided the bullet around every major artery and organ, which in effect spared the life of John Paul, too. And it was just. I mean, again, they were, they were, they were perplexed because uh, a bullet fired at that r- close range into a, you know, the man's body, it should have had a straight trajectory and should have, should have pierced arteries and hit major organs on the way through the body. But it didn't. And the doctor even said, and that was a quote, it was as if a hand guided that bullet around every major artery and every major organ that had passed by sparing the life of John Paul. So think about that scenario. Now, John Paul had only been our Holy Father at that point. He was elected in October of 78. This was May of 81, so it was, it was not even three years into his pontificate. But he obviously his life was spared. And then the other thing that I always like to bring up was that when Holy Father was recuperating from this uh, assassination attempt in the hospital, which was very serious, it wasn't a flesh wound, it was a very deep, serious gunshot wound. So he had a long recovery. Remember now, Holy Father uh, at that point in 1981 was uh, 61 years old, Wasn't that he wasn't that old young man. He was elected. He was 58 years old. He was elected to 61 years old in good health. Remember, he was an athlete. He was he he played soccer. He was skied. He was, you know, good, good shape. So that helped. But while he was recovering, he asked to have two files brought to him from uh, the Vatican um, archives. He asked for the documents from the Vatican archives on Divine Mercy, and he asked for the uh, files from the Vatican archives on Fatima. And that's how he spent his time recuperating, going through whatever information the Vatican had about those two particular events slash devotions, Divine Mercy and Fatima. Now, that was in 1981. Perhaps it was at that time, and I would imagine that the third secret was included in those files uh, for Fatima. Um, but perhaps it was at that time that St. Pope John Paul II decided to release the files. But then it was one year later, and of course, even there, even, even before, even as he recovered, the Holy Father uh, um, attributed his being saved at the hands of the Blessed Mother. He gave credit where he said credit was due. It was the Blessed Mother who spared his life. He he believed that from that moment. He saw the image, the picture of the, of the Our Lady of Fatima that the little girl was holding up. He heard the doctor say... Holy Father, it's as if someone guided this bullet around your major arteries and organs to spare your life. And he believed it was our Blessed Mother. Of course, in the uh, ride over to the hospital, in and out of consciousness, losing blood, he was saying, my mother, my mother, who knows what he was seeing or what he was hearing. I don't believe he ever stated that. But one year later, he returned to Fatima. He went to Fatima. And he took that bullet that they removed from his body that the doctors said appeared to have been guided by a hand around every single artery and every single major organ sparing his life. And he went to the statue of Our Lady of Fatima in Fatima, Portugal. And as he stated in, 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 in this pilgrimage, he said, I'm going there to thank our Blessed Mother for sparing my life. And he took that bullet and he placed it in the crown of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima in Fatima, Portugal, in thanksgiving for sparing his life. And we think about that time, that year, May 13th, 81 to May 13th, 82, we know that our, our Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, had a great love for Our Lady. In fact, his, his coat of arms had totus to us, uh, to Jesus through Mary, had a great love for our Blessed Mother, and he said it was she who spared his life. And in Thanksgiving, one year after exactly to the day of the assassination attempt, he went to Fatima to place that bullet in her crown. And then, of course, his pontificate lasted uh, another uh, 24 years, right? 2005, the 23 years from that point. And what John Paul meant to not just the church, but to the entire world uh, during his pontificate is something that um, you know changed the course of history it literally changed the course of history in so many ways and changed the course of history within the church so on this day we too thank our blessed mother our lady of fatima for that day sparing the life of saint pope john paul ii All right, my brothers and sisters, thank you so much for being here today. And uh, I will be back tomorrow, God willing, Thursday already. Ooh, But enjoy the rest of this beautiful, beautiful day, this beautiful feast of Our Lady of Fatima. I always say look about a day like today and see this beautiful blue sky and say you can see Our Lady's mantle throughout the entire horizon. So enjoy that. God bless you all. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And God love you.